Hi, everyone. This is the WorkTech Podcast, brought to you by WorkTech. This is George LaRock. I'm your host, and this is where we explore everything related to the future of work and the technology and people that are shaping it. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WorkTech. I'm George LaRock, and we've got some industry deal news for you. Um, Gigged.ai recently announced a seed round of 1.6 million British pounds. That's about, it's just under 2 million US dollars, uh, which brings total funding uh, to just under 3 million US. Uh, Gigged.ai is a talent marketplace that uses AI to bring employers and freelancers in the tech market together. And Rich Wilson, the founder and CEO, is here to tell us more about Gigged.ai and the deal. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, George. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. I know now you're, um, uh, I'll say, based because I know you're you're a remote organization out of Glasgow and, and London. Uh, is that is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We've got uh, an office in Glasgow in Scotland. As you can tell from my accent, I'm a Glaswegian. So when we started the company, we thought that we'll have the base. There's some great talent in in in, in uh, Scotland. Um, especially tech talent. There's a lot of great data people here. So we thought we'll build a base here. We've also got a, a base in London, uh, and then we're going to look at a base in the US. But yeah, they're really places where people can come and collaborate you know, when they need. But yeah, we're very yeah. much Scottish and proud. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, so tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and uh, any more you'd like to uh, set up around gig.ai as far as an introduction. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so, so my background, um, I spent 12 years in tr- you know, traditional contract staffing. So I worked for a religious group for 12 years. I started as a 21-year-old on a graduate trainee program. Um, you know, was was a pretty good tech recruiter. I was only a recruiter for eight months, and then I was promoted um, you know, into a leadership role. And then you know, had a you know, an amazing 12 years. You know, I helped help build tech systems um brand, you know, here, spent some time in the US. Um, you know, while Aerotech was growing, while the Allegis Group Services brand was growing. So you know, I had a great opportunity to work with you know some some great leaders and Steve Bishotti, uh, Jim Davis, you know, Todd Moore, uh, and uh Sean Subdal from Aston Carter, you know, it's just an amazing group that I work with that I learned from as a very young man. And um, so, yeah, I spent 12 years um, very much building, you know, contract staffing programs and very much SOW programs. That's probably where my specialism was, was very much working with large organizations, whether it be systems integrators or banks, and um, building statement of work programs to provide large number of contractors, but under an overall deliverable or an underall uh, statement of work. Um, after 12 years, I, I decided, you know, I, I'd probably worked very hard for 12 years. I kind of needed to go in a different direction at that point in my life. And um, I then joined the, uh, the Data Lab as a volunteer, which is Scotland Centre for Data. And that was where I really started getting really intrigued about data science, you know, um, automation, um, a lot of what was going on within conversational AI that really piqued my interest, and it was just something I'd done because I was kind of needed to do something. Um, and then I spent a great two and a half years at Gartner, um, working with CIOs and CEOs, you know, around every topic from digital transformation, you know, whether um, building data strategies. But the one that I kind of always get closer to was future work, and specifically 
you know, internal mobility systems, talent platforms, how to look at different ways to hire um, your resource instead of just a t- traditional perma contract, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, that was kind of my background and that's what shaped a lot of the, you know, all of those 15 plus years really, um, really built the foundation of what we're doing now. Yeah. And how, how would you frame, you know, gig.ai when you say, uh, you know, you, you call yourself a talent marketplace, how, how is that different from other marketplaces or, or just, you know, what's, what's your approach in the, in this marketplace concept? Yeah, you're right. There's obviously within within the whole kind of talent platform ecosystem. It's obviously a growing growing place. You've got your you know your Upwork, you know Fiverr, uh, TopTal. You know there's obviously some some established players there, um, which is obviously growing. Um, where we really seen the focus was, and this is where the staffing side came from. Our focus was how do you take a lot of the things that traditionally people do really well within the staffing world, right? How do you qualify a really, really good rec, right? Or qualify a really good SOW? How do you ensure that the right people are matched in time? How do you make sure that um, that the whole process end-to-end is, is a seamless process with as little pain as possible for both the hiring manager and the talent? So we, we very much focus, how do we use data and automation to help make that, a better process, but also reduce the human error, right? So I came at it from, you know, how do I take up, I trained hundreds of recruiters, thousands probably, and even more, probably thousand, 2,000 plus um, sales people within recruitment. How do you take the elements where they usually do make mistakes? How do you automate that to let them still do the things that they're good at, building relationships, dealing with issues, you know, about, you know, that's, that's, I don't believe you. We get rid of recruiters' automation, but I think we can improve it, right? So, so really, where we are coming at it is, we are built. We're a we're a data platform, which just happens to be in the talent platform ecosystem. So, what we focus on doing, whether it be you know a high growth startup or a global enterprise, we help them qualify a piece of work consistently every single time. So we've built. Mm-hmm a very neat conversational AI and job classification tool that helps qualify. It's really what I call a mini SOW, right? So it qualifies, okay. here's the project, here's the demand. Uh, it'll ask various questions based on what you've said. You don't need to be really techy to, to get it either. So it will respond. And then it will match to different talent pools. And this is a bit that I think is really cool of what we do. So if you're a small company, let's say you've got four employees, We'll help you qualify a defined piece of work and then match you to a freelancer. But we say open talent, that freelancer could be a side gigger, right? Perm mm-hmm. and doing some stuff in the project, which is obviously growing. They could be a full-time freelancer. They could be someone who's just graduated and looking for more experience. So we've built an open talent pool um, of pre-vetted talent that will be matched to that straight away, right? So, and then the whole thing is seamless, right? So, in that respect, it's a freelance talent platform, right? But how we differentiate it is we spend more, t- our technology focuses on the quality of the gig and the quality of the match. Mm. So you know, no spam gigs, no, hey, I need a wife, like some of the other platforms, none of that, right? Yeah. That wouldn't go, that wouldn't make it, right? It needs to be qualified. It needs to be a milestone. You can't work per hour on our platform. You can't work per day. Milestones. 
specific pieces of work. Um, but also, if you're a larger organization, you can we can tailor the platform to also link to your internal workforce. And I think this is a really cool bit. So there's obviously internal platforms like Gloat and Fuel50 that are amazing platforms that are then looking at how do they work with other open talent platforms. But very little open talent platforms are then going, how do we create an internal mobility? So we set out from day one that that, if you're a larger organization and our customer base is now becoming more um, you know, larger global enterprises, we can then say, look, do you want to tap into your internal marketplace as well? And they might go, oh, we tried it, didn't work. Like, well, let's try this. Some are like, no, I just want to use you for open talent and I want to use it that way. That's cool. But we give the customer a choice and that's a key thing, right? So um, it's a marketplace we'll be able to tap into internal and open talent pools in one click. Um, that's that's the key of what we are. Yeah. We're not trying to be uh EOR platform. We're not trying to be your VMS. We're very much help you qualify, help you source, and then we'll integrate throughout. You know, we're working with one of the largest consultancy companies in the world. We work with one of the VMSs. We've got an integration, seamless. That's okay. how we want to work, right? So we're all about the quality of the what goes into the cookie cutter and make sure it's then qualified and then matched. That that's really what we what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot there. The, uh, I think in, in the, um, in the market right now, uh, the way I, what, what I just heard is the, the marketplace concept here for you is really about that sort of data exchange. This isn't, um, this isn't about, um, you know, uh, posting jobs and waiting for responses. It's about, uh, standardizing uh, on a taxonomy and and uh, an understanding of the job, and doing the same thing with the talent, and then looking internally and externally. That's that's sort of that. that you, we look at the trend right now that when we talk about talent marketplaces, it gets confusing for a lot of folks because there are three or four. This sounds like both an external and an internal exactly you know, platform that 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 is bringing external talent in. But you're also, you know, really the focus is on the match. It's on, it's on the match. And is that, is that all tech or are you all tech? Okay. 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 And it was a difficult build, right? So um, you're right. There was taxonomy. It was conversational AI. It was, it was a, it was a tricky build, right? Um, You know, we spent, we spent nearly two years on, on the build. We were lucky that we have been backed very early on Um. Because of our background, so my my co-founder um, and CTO was a freelancer for twelve years. He was trying to build his he built his own platform. He was working on major banks, uh, Lloyd's, Royal Bank of Scotland over here, yep. and he was that frustrated about how, how they hire contractors. He's like, I'm going to create my own talent platform to to find freelancers for short sharp pieces of work, right? And then I was that's how we can uh, we knew each other, and that's how how it worked. But the build was difficult. You know, we we had to obviously find a customer base and a freelancer base that was happy to work with us during the whole experience. We've done a lot of what we user testing to really, you know, test the hypothesis often. Um, we were backed by Innovate UK, first of all, which is the, Innovate, the UK's innovation arm. So they they helped fund the initial AI build. Yeah. Scottish Enterprise, which is um, Scotland's kind of venture, um, you know, government money, but to help, 
they backed us as well, as did some of the kind of early stage VCs. So we, we were backed quite early on. Also, our first, you know, Scotland's actually becoming a bit of a hub for data. So some data scientists, our chairman, John, they had sold their company to um, Dentsus, so, you know, multi-billion dollar company. They built a data science company. They were our first investors because they really believed in what we're trying to build. So we had some genius data scientists in from day one working alongside the recruitment guy, me, and the freelancer, Craig, to really build the thing. But it was it was a pain, and we've just replatformed it now and taken all the key learns and all the technical debt and eradicated it, which was painful. Yeah, and, I uh, bet. But, um, but we believe that you know we could have went out and started to just you know, get some fees, place some people, and really just generate some revenue, i.e. old school recruitment, right? I've still got enough contacts and enough relationships. We could have, but we made a conscious decision to really automate as much and create as much of a self-self platform as possible, right? So mm-hmm. a, a startup can go onto our platform, sign up, hire, and not have to talk to anybody. Now, an enterprise can too, but they tend not to do that, right? Because they want, you know, you've got procurement, you know, you usually need to figure out who's their VMS, how do we integrate with that VMS? But in theory, if they had procurement on board, they could just go up and use the platform and and, and use it as simple as possible. And that was, you know, as well as the the the, the automation or the data part or platform. The other thing we're maniacal about is UX, right? How do we make this? I always say to my product team, I've got an eight year old daughter. I said, my eight-year-old daughter needs to be able to work this platform. Hmm. And that is always what we go back to. So um, and we were lucky. We um, we were brought into the Edinburgh University, one of the, the best you know, places for data science. So Amazon hire all their data science PhDs from the University of Edinburgh. And we were accepted onto the AI Accelerator in 2021. And that was an amazing experience for us to really build mm-hmm. Working yeah. with geniuses. Um, and we also met a design company who then became an investor in us who are, you know, just geniuses in UX. So we've been lucky to be able to pull in a lot of people at the right time um, to get it built. But that was a long answer. But yes, it's fully automated. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, you know, I've got an eight-year-old daughter too, and she's not my first, you know, to come through. Uh, and the fact that you did this while while you're, uh, while, you know, with an eight-year-old, uh, good on you for uh, for taking the leap and uh, and for the success. But so I, I know that's uh, that demands a lot of you as well. Um, so let's talk about the deal a little bit. Um, the let's you know the timing of the deal. Um, it's a it's a challenging time right now to be raising funds. I mean, there's still money out there. You were successful. But I'm curious what what was happening in the market or at gigged.ai that made this the right time to uh to for this round. Yeah, great question. I, yeah, I think in hindsight, the timing wasn't great. Like we, we obviously we were really happy where we were at. We've got a good partner in here, great team. Um, but we so we done a pre-seed round. Um so we quit our jobs. I quit Gartner, Craig quit his job in July 2021. So at that point, we were very early. You know, we we had kind of built a, a very, an MVP would be a strong word. Um, we'd create a working beta that had basic AI in it, and it did work. Um, but we 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 launched it. Um, 
And we launched it with a $500 billboard, right? And and a bit of help from John Younger. Uh, you may know the, the godfather of the freelance revolution, as he's calling himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that kind of got some early exposure in Forbes and we had started to build a lot of client base. So by the summer of 21, we're like, right, let's go all in. Let's let's do this. So we obviously, obviously we didn't really have any money in the bank. Me and Craig had put our savings in um, with a little bit of grant money, but we're like, you know what? Let's do it, right? So my wife wasn't over the moon. My eight-year-old didn't know at the time, but uh, we thought, right, let's go for it. So... We were lucky very quickly. We we got pre-seed funding from one of the UK's kind of really great up and coming um, venture firms called TechStart Ventures. So they backed some, they, they backed uh, Desana, who are a future work company. They backed some really cool Equitas, which is an interview. So they've 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 yep. they've, they've, um, they've kind of backed some early early ones. We always said like we'll have about eighteen months runway and then we'll raise again. So that's hence we ended up doing this deal, right? So come the summertime, we were like, right, that's us around, around time. Let's raise now and we'll have it done by Christmas. Now, um, we did we did get that done, but our plan always was, hey, let's raise in the US first, right? So we've done a pre-seed. So I spent a lot of time in the States. It looked like the raise was going to happen um, really quickly. And then um, in so June, July in the States. And then obviously that was when, the VC world changed, crashed. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, the FTX kind of really had an impact with, with, with that as well. So thank you to them. And, um, <laughs> you know, as to that. So all of a sudden, the US market was going, hey, look, unless you guys are here full time, like, love what you're doing, but not right now. So we had to go, right, you know what, we're going to have to do plan B. And the plan B was like, let's go and look in, in the UK and European market. So we were lucky that we'd obviously build some decent PR, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. quite noisy, right? We'd like to tell a story. You know, I think it's a startup, you got it. So we were able, so we we were able to go back and talk to, you know, a number of VCs and we we, we had three or four uh, term sheets. So, and we were able to choose the one that we felt, you know, was was the best one. Um, and, you know, which is Par Equity, which are Scottish-based. They had big success in the US recently. They had bought and um, they'd invested in a company called Current Health, which are a Dundee-based, and they they sold to Best Buy in a 300 million plus deal. Oh, they've yeah. had some real successes recently. Um also the chairman is ex, he's been in recruitment many years. He sees where things are going. He really they had they had said no to tons of um you know HR tech companies and they were they we were the one we were backing and we thought with that, you know, with that kind of experience and background, it just felt like the right the right fit um so and but then you know this is the thing i'd say to any kind of seed round anybody going through a seed round the, the due diligence was was next level right and mm. and that's what kind of took some time right the due diligence you know the reviewing all you know reviewing the code reviewing reviewing everything the great thing for us is we came through it actually you know, realizing we had a stronger business than we even thought, right? We knew we had a strong business, but I think that due diligence made, really made us realize and made, you know, our prospective investors realize, look, we've, we've got a strong business here. We've got a strong management team. We've got strong technology. We've got all the key components. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't, definitely wasn't purpose, right, to raise through, you know, um, a difficult time because the pre-seed that we done, that was that took a month, right? Maybe six weeks. This one, 
start to finish took probably six, seven months, right? Yeah. So, and obviously that's time away from the business. But um, but yeah, look, we were over the moon to get it done. Um, and um, we brought in some new investors, you know, some high, you know, high profile investors in in, in the UK ecosystem. So um, yeah, great, great to get it done. But yeah, it was yeah. difficult. Definitely, yeah, well, congrats on getting it done. And I, I think, you know, for all the uh, founders, especially early stage that that might be watching, you know, you, you one of the key things that you, you talked about was, you know, you had a plan. And, uh, you know, in order to raise at the end of the year, you were starting, you know, earlier in the spring, summer. And I think that's lost on a lot of folks um, that, you know, really you should always be raising, um, you know, just like the old sales thing is always be closing, but but you're always taking the calls and always building the relationships um, because, you know, the market conditions change and, you know, if something happens quickly, you have, it's a beautiful position to to have a decision to make, but in this case, you know, it took longer, but you you ended up being where you needed to be. So good on you for for that as well. I I, um, I talked to a lot of early stage founders who uh, don't account for that sort of potential time. So that was that was very smart on uh, on your part. So so now you you've you've got the uh, the funds. You know, what are your what are your plans now? Um, other than global domination, what's the <laughs> What are you going to do with this uh, this round? I think very much evolution, not revolution, is the way we're looking at this, right? So, um, you know, I've obviously I've been lucky that I've, I've built teams before. We know that like tripling, quadrupling headcount is a tricky thing to do. So we, um, you know, from a cultural perspective, right? So we're very proud of the culture we built. We've got some great ex-staffing people. We've got some great technical team, but we're conscious that we we don't want to. Um, you know what? Spin that out by bringing in too many people too quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So, so for us, we you know, won't surprise you to hear. You know, we we brought on a lot of freelancers, right? So we've instead of going crazy and extending our burn, you know, we've hired two new account executives, um, who I'm really excited to come in and work with us. But that's the only headcount we're adding, right? So we're mm-hmm. we're not going to go and um, add. Um, you know, another 10, 15 people. Um, we have brought in a CMO on freelance who worked with a multi-billion dollar company recently, business to business. We also have brought in um, a consultant in the US um, who I know from my time at Ludus Group um, who is a go-to-market specialist because there's a huge play for us. Because we built data first, we, we can set up open APIs, right? We can integrate with ATS, VMS, even MSPs were needed, mm-hmm. right? So we we can we've got a real integration play here. So we've brought in some some um, some people we we know and trust, but not on a full time basis to help us, you know, test that hypothesis. I I believe that our business grows through integration. That is what I believe. Mm-hmm. But I now need to test that hypothesis, right? I don't want to bring in somebody on two hundred thousand dollars to do it. I can't, you know, that that would be a great way to get, burn the money. So I brought in somebody for a three month engagement to speak to, you know, alongside myself, but speak to a lot of the, the potential places, explore that. Um, and and because I'm you know, raising, you hear the old the old kind of stereotype, raising is a full-time job. Well, it is, right? And I I was, you know, I was like, that's for normal people. I can do that. You know, it is a full-time job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so now I can do what I'm passionate about, spending more time with the customer. 
Um, we're lucky that our pipeline is really strong. But yeah, for us, we we spent last year head down rebuilding the whole platform. Yeah, with the funding from Scottish Enterprise and the funding from TechStart, we were very much head down. So so this year for us, and building the supply at the same time. So we built a supply of over 15,000 freelancers. Um, you know, we've been able to build an early customer base with you know BBC, Skyscanner, um, you know, Atos, WebHelp, a few other larger ones that I won't mention yet because the ink's not dry yet, but um we're we're growing that customer base. So this year is to grow our customer base, right? Yep. Through the in the UK directly and then in the US through integration. If those integrations go the way I think, then yes, going into 2024, we will then look to then build an operation and a team in the US. You know, we very much see the UK and the US as the main markets for, for our business. Um, you know, tax law, the similarities. I think if we tried to go into France, Germany, you're all over, it's just it would be too much in the business, too much of a strain. Mm. So um, so yeah, nothing like we're not gonna go mad. As I said, it's it's now focusing the business from being product to how do we get that product in more people's hands, right? So yep. it's a growth market and sales exercise now. Yeah. So it, it sounds like, uh, you know, you, you've, you're really focused. Um, so w- as you focus on bringing customers in, what what does what what are some of the attributes of uh, your ideal customers? What do they look like? So there are, there are real mix, and, and we've done that on purpose. VCs don't always love hearing that, right? So we were pitching, they're like, just focus on series B-based companies. and like, I can't do that. Um, you know, if I look at, again, with my staffing hat on, if you've got a contractor or a freelancer, they want they don't always want to work for the same customer in the same, they don't want to just work in banks. Not anymore. Maybe back right. in the day, but now you have a freelancers coming in. They, they, they want to have multiple opportunities. Um, they want to you know, be able to work in a startup and then work, you know, a bank or a systems integrator. So... We started really growing with high, you know, high growth startups. That was our initial customer base. So that's something we're continuing to focus on. Um, the larger gigs size comes from smaller companies, right? So it's an amazing thing we've seen. So hmm. uh, our average gig size are around ten thousand dollars. On average, thirty thousand dollars from small companies because they're not using that perm headcount. Ah, uh, um, right, right. So. You know, they're like, well, I can't hire a dev for eighty thousand dollars, one hundred twenty thousand dollars, but I can bring somebody in for a thirty thousand pound piece of work with a defined end, start and end. The larger companies are using it for um, smaller pieces initially, right? Whether it be, hey, I need a bit of UX, I need a bit of copyright done here. Um, but and part of the reason we took the funding, George, was that our, we always knew enterprise customers would be our our view. So that's happened quicker, and where we're seeing. The the big kind of the 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 sharpest intake of new customers has been systems integrators. So your larger um, tech consultancies um, who are getting more demand from their customers because of that perm headcount is not just going through contract and freelance. It's going through SOW or consultancy, right? It's going from OPEX to CAPEX. Yeah, that CAPEX budget is then meaning that they then need to hire from different pools and. A lot of their contractor programs, their MSPs and VMSs, still take them three months to get a contractor. So there's now this view of, and we call it direct sourcing, if you direct source through a talent platform, you could get a gig worker engaged on a deliverable straight away. Mm. 
And that's the trend we're seeing and we're leaning into that trend, right? So um, instead of maybe selling to all the banks, we can work with the banks through the systems integrators because we're not precious about who the end customer. Um, so we're leaning into that. And then that is where we've got the opportunity to then upsell the internal mobility solution, right? We don't go in and just try and sell them the internal mobility. Right, we help right. them through open talent. We build a relationship. Then if the prob the customer's challenge is big enough, we're like, hey, look, have you thought about internal mobility? You know, we're working with a French consultancy at the moment and they're looking at, you know, their, you know, they've got a large pool of internal resource working at major accounts, but they're like, how do we, how do we make sure Oh, we need a Java developer. And they're going out and hiring a Java developer, contract a pair, but actually they've got somebody finishing up and they caught in the their other account across the street, but they've got no way to to track that. Yeah. Um yeah. and then that turns into, you know, they, they do a few of them, and then like we don't have MD in-house. Who have you got in your open talent? And then for us, it creates the best of both worlds because they're using this for the internal, but also they're using this for the open. And that's how we see our business is going to grow over the next kind of 24 months. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you're aligned uh, on a few really key, um, more than trends uh, in the market. I mean, we we just put out our big uh, initial work tech report and it's talking about um, this, you know, growing through integration. That's how the ecosystem works now. And not just for growth, but really the driver is being the data uh, sort of flowing through the enterprise um, and culturally, you know, being um, less concerned with the the customer's eyeballs being sticky on your interface and more concerned with adding value for them with your data where they need it, when they need it to make better, you know, decisions. Um, and uh, this, the whole uh, you know, external internal view sort of extended workforce is, I think, going to continue to get legs in a way. It's it's the 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 contingent work workforce, the contract workforce, freelance that's been growing for decades. Uh, it's it's what the staffing industries, you know, the, follow the money. That's that's what the 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 recruitment industry is now. And I, I think the uh, you're going to see employers look to get their hands around that data and that spend more so than they have previously because we have the capability, right? So new tools coming in. So I think you're on a few good points, and I I, I wish you the best of luck with this. Um, I could keep going, but we're gonna we're out of out of time. Yeah, of where uh, it's probably right in your name, but where can folks go to to learn more about about the product if if they're interested in in this approach? Yeah, of course. Um, it's just www.gigged.ai, right? Nice and simple. Um, also, you know, we're, we're big proponents on LinkedIn, so you can follow our page or gigged.ai on LinkedIn. Also, my handle is just Rich Wilson um, on LinkedIn. You know, so again, if you you want to learn more directly, just connect to me on LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to have a chat. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, the, a lot of transparency here today and for being here to tell your story at, uh, at WorkTech. Uh, thank you. No, thank you for the invite. Really appreciate it, George. Okay, great. And thanks everybody if you're watching or listening and uh, until next time.